You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekha Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Retail Perch. And uh, today is a unique episode. After a long time, Gary, it's just you and me. Uh, That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we want to welcome people back. Of course, uh, here at Retail Perch, we talk about retail, technology, emerging trends, opportunities, challenges. We talk to all kinds of people, as you guys know, and we appreciate your support and your continued listenership here. And uh, today, Gary and I are going to talk about something interesting. A couple of weeks ago, both had the opportunity to travel for the first time for an in-person event in Las Vegas for the grocery shop and the NGA show. So we thought we'll talk about, you know, our experiences, what, what happened to the show, our thoughts around the future of in-person events and how retailers expect to find vendors in the future. So, Gary, we get this off? Yeah, I think that's great because uh, it was certainly a uh, felt like a unique experience, again, to be traveling and, and going to a trade show or a conference and, and being with a lot of other people. Yeah, and, you know, obviously... I think there was a sense of excitement and nervousness, right? excitement yeah. because you were finally seeing people back in the flesh. And I think there's a certain amount of Zoom fatigue everybody has about looking at people through square boxes on their screens. Yeah. And I think nervousness, obviously, because Vegas, you didn't know how many people are going to be there and what kind of people and are they going to follow protocol. But I was pleasantly surprised, Gary. It, yeah, both shows were following safety protocols right to you know get your badge to gain admission you either had to you know show you had a vaccine or a negative covid test within a couple of days of the show and then you know everyone wearing a mask unless you're on stage speaking you know which is the las vegas i i guess uh regulation today right right and you know i, I thought they did a pretty good job it was all pretty streamlined there wasn't much confusion and I think by and large, everybody really kind of stuck to the protocols. They, they did. I mean, as you'd expect, uh, you know, through the casino, you'd see people, you know, with or without a mask from time to time. But for the most part, no, I I, I think people going to both those shows did, did a nice job. Yeah, I think it was interesting. And you sat at the any of the tables to play. The dealer refused to deal unless you had your mask on. So yeah. even if you were standing behind watching, you had to wear your mask in order to deal. I mean, so except when you drank. So people always had a drink. In there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was interesting. one way or another, the casino is going to win. Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. so the other interesting thing before we dive into actual show was I thought, you know, given that grocery shop and, and the NGA happened to overlap, and I'm sure that was purely accidental or coincidental. Yes. I'm sure there were a lot of Uber rides between Mandalay Bay and Paris. <laughs> yeah, I know. I uh, certainly contributed to uh, numerous rides back and forth. Yes. Yeah, I think the Uber economy must have had a slight boom because of people going back and forth. But uh, Gary, your thoughts on the NGA show? Let's start there. Were you... So, you know, overall, I, I thought it was a good show, um, you know, given that they had originally tried to have it back in May, I think it was, and then rescheduled for September, which is why the overlap with uh, grocery shop, purely coincidental. You know, all that being said, I thought it was a good show. The attendance was off at both shows, as you would expect, but there was still, there had to be at least 2,000, 2,500 people, I bet, at the NGA show. Yeah, and, and you know, what I 
thought was interesting this time. I think the tracks were much more powerful this time. I think they seem to have much more meaningful tracks. And I'm wondering if it's because, you know, of what's happened here in the last 18 months, there's just a greater interest in handling the change that's coming and more interest in finding solutions so they can weather any future storms that come along. Yes. So uh, I agree with you. There was a lot more workshops and, and tracks, uh, you know, focused on pretty specific areas. Yeah, you know, I, I think in one sense, there was maybe almost too many workshops, you know, from the perspective of looking into a number of them, there just weren't necessarily a lot of people in each one, right? which, you know, poses its, its own challenges. But absolutely agree with you. There's a significant interest in what's going on in tech and innovation and so on. Uh, you know, and we didn't have to look beyond the event uh, Kurt did Sunday afternoon that you were part of. You know, we had 400 plus people in that room. And I, I think that just speaks to the interest in retailers wanting to know what's going on. Right, right. Yeah, and I think it was similar. You know, I think the tracks that I attended, you know, even the in the big ballroom, I think they were pretty decently attended. So there seemed to be a lot of interest. Of course, the show floor, I think, on obviously didn't have the same kind of traffic one normally expects, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, you know, the time I spent on the NGA show floor, I, I agree, didn't seem to have the traffic. Uh, you know, a number of things you would expect, you know, a number of uh, e commerce providers there uh, and so on. But I didn't see necessarily a lot of what I guess I would think of as more exciting technology and innovation. And, you know, maybe I've become jaded to some of that, but uh, I just had that impression walking around. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. You know, and I wonder, you know, if you think about the the show like a store, you'd have to think, okay, there's an e-commerce component to the show, which is people want to be able to experience and get this information in a virtual fashion as opposed to having to showing up there and i'm wondering if there's a kind of a hybrid form of these conferences that is on the cards because there's always going to be some set of people who are hesitant to travel and want to be able to fit things into their schedule and some people who want to meet people in person yes yeah no i i i agree and i i think we will see more of that some kind of hybrid in-person virtual blend of maybe some of the different workshops or sessions being made available live online, you know, for people that don't want to travel, uh, you know, in addition to people that want to be there in person. And I, I think what may be driving that is not only, you know, some number of people that don't want to travel, don't want to be around people, they're still worried or concerned, you know, about COVID or whatever, but I think the other side of it is, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, you know, I, I think a good number of people have done sort of a reset with their lives, their careers, everything coming through these past 18 months. And I know, you know, I've had to do a couple uh, uh, business trips over the last few months. And, you know, before the, the pandemic, as you know, I was traveling every week, almost nonstop. And now not having traveled, but having gone back to it a couple of times, I've been really struck by how much more productive I am if I'm back home, you know, in the office 
instead of sitting in airports and on airplanes and hotels and so on and so forth. Um, completely agree. Completely. Yeah. So, so I, I'm, I'm really changing my view of travel I want to do going forward. Yeah, and I wonder what that does for, you know, I would love to get some feedback from retailers out there who are listening to see how do you expect to go out and find new technologies? I mean, how do you expect to meet vendors and emerging trends uh, if you can't necessarily go to as many events that you would have right. known to? Right. right. I think that's that's an interesting challenge because, I mean, you can sit and try to Google, but that takes a lot of time to do that and, you know, get firsthand experience. There's nothing like seeing stuff. So I'm wondering if there's a interesting mix on the cards here, uh, whether it's NGA or grocery shops, trying to think about how can we bring retailers and vendors and have industry-level discussions yes. in a slightly different format. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think the answer to that is going to vary based upon the, sort of the size of the retailer, you know, what part of the industry they're playing in, right? You know, I, I think independent retailers will continue to look to their wholesalers, look to the, the dealers of the bars that currently support them for new capabilities, solutions, et cetera. You know, the, the big guys, you know, their phone just rings off the hook anyway, you know, with solutions reaching them. Uh, so I, I think the answer that's going to be different. Right. Because isn't it true, Gary? I mean, places like the NGA is where even some of these independents meet other independents and there's conversations that happen and uh, yeah, referrals and, you know, suggestions around technology solutions that they're implementing. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, as we recently participated in, I share groups have become more important. You know, I, I think they were always important for those retailers that really understood how to best use them and participate in them and get value from them. Uh, but I, I think share groups are becoming an increasingly important way for retailers of all sizes to understand new solution providers, new capabilities, how to understand and look at and use new technologies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, all said and done with all the uncertainty and everything that happened, I think, uh, the NGA did a fantastic job in pulling yeah. off the event, no question about it. So, you know, definitely kudos to them. And, you know, all the retailers that did show up because, you know, the vendors who committed to participate obviously were going to be there because they were going to man their boots. So, you know, a number of retailers did show up and, you know, we got to meet some of our clients and, you know, spoke to them yeah. and finally some of them we met for the very first time. <laughs> yeah. how, how tall or how short they were. <laughs> finally, their Zoom boxes. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, it was an interesting challenge walking the hallways and trying to figure out if you know the person because they had a mask on and you know so that's right. I, I think I know that person, but I'm not sure. That's yeah. So I just defaulted to saying hi to everybody. Yes. Well, and I think you know, before we leave NGA and move on to grocery shop, you know, the next NGA show is scheduled in like six months from now, uh the end of February. Well, that's gonna be here quick, and I think it's gonna be interesting to see. What happens with that, right? You know, is attendance going to be impacted because, you know, the, there was just a show, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and there'll only be six months to the next one. You know, I'm sure a lot of it's going to have to do with the state of the world at that time. Will things be even more opened up or or shut down? Right. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's a case for, I'm just throwing this out there, a video wall, right? Where you do these presentations, you have a live audience and you have a video wall in the back of the room and there's a bunch of people zoomed in or 
are dialed into the event and who are attending a session and you can actually interact with these people. So, I mean, I think something has to happen because I think it becomes people having stayed home for all these months realize that, oh my God, I spent so much time traveling and doing all these things. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, and I think that's a really interesting concept and certainly, certainly can be done, right? You know, you've got your, your live in-person audience and then you've got a video wall, you know, showing however many people, you know, dozens, hundreds of people, you know, attending virtually. Exactly. You know, and I, I see, you know, maybe somebody managing the event and you put your hand up and you get yeah. up to the front of the video wall and you can speak and talk. I mean, I, and the technology is here. I don't see why we shouldn't do it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm really curious also for vendors in terms of how they're thinking about reaching out to, you know, potential customers because this used to be one of the big watering holes for the industry to kind of come and spread the word, so to say. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I, I guess the feedback I got from different solution providers seemed to really be one extreme or the other. Either you know, they all shared that traffic was off, you know, from a normal show. And yet, you know, there are some solutions we're very happy with it. You know, many of them had worked to schedule meetings ahead of time with prospects, clients, et cetera. So they, they were very happy with what happened there. Then the other extreme were, you know, those solution providers that I think were maybe just relying on whatever traffic that, that were not as happy, that didn't feel, you know, that they were getting as much out of it as maybe in the past. Right, right, right. And I think, you know, it was difficult to kind of anticipate exactly what was going to happen. And I think a lot of these, like the show floor, how it's designed, how it flows, I mean, all of that happens so much in advance. Yes. It's very difficult to change some of these things last minute, you know, once you realize, oh, my God, you know, I have it wrong. So, right. Yeah, no, that's right. I think all in all, I was just glad to see people. I was just glad to, you know, shake hands, sit and break bread and meet familiar people. No, I agree. So I, I know you spent some time over at grocery shop. What uh, what were your thoughts around that? I think very similar. I mean, they had a pretty rigorous mechanism of getting people signed up, see their you know negative tests, vaccination, all of that was there. Of course, grocery shop was held in Mandalay Bay, which is a much bigger facility than Paris. So I definitely got my steps in. I got to say that <laughs> without question. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And uh, but I think reactions were similar. I think uh, at grocery shop, they really, you know, try to innovate. You know, they have these startup streets and startup cities. And I think some of that didn't attract the quite the level of traffic that people had hoped for. And I think the way things were walled off, they were. The reduced visibility was supposed to be a captive audience, but, you know, if nobody goes there, then, you know, you're just kind of isolated. But, and I thought it was kind of thin on the technology too, honestly. I didn't quite see as many innovative companies as I would normally see at, but I got to see, I I attended a few sessions, including yours, Gary, and I thought the sessions were pretty decent. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think the educational program at grocery shop was, was really good. You know, a number of the sessions I saw seemed to be pretty well attended. Uh, you know, I know the one uh, that I did uh, with uh, Ron there from Weiss that I, I think you were in. It looked to be we we pretty well filled the room, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, that morning. So uh, attendance across 
education sessions, I think, was good. And I agree with you, though. The exhibit floor grocery shop seemed to be pretty quiet. Yeah, it was pretty quiet. You know, and again, I think uh, you got to hand it to these guys. I mean, they're brave enough to even pull it off. Oh, a yeah. And then, you know, a, an event of this size is certainly not uh, uh, easy to pull off, right, or change last minute. But I think, you know, it's probably going to make a lot of solution providers think about how are they going to reach their, you know, how what's their customer acquisition strategy, right? Yes. Uh, and we'd love to hear from people in terms of how they're altering that or what they think about it. Because, I mean, it seems like you're going to start investing in trying to do a direct outreach way more. And if solution providers do that, then it becomes a little challenging for retailers because they get inundated with more information, yes. right? And then now making a decision between them becomes a little difficult, kind of how do you separate the signal from the noise? So yeah. we have this strange ecosystem that's evolving. And I guess there's got to be some solution that arrives it, it, out of that. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see how this whole event space really evolves through this. You know, I, I do think that there's an opportunity, as we were saying earlier, for that hybrid type event. And I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody really go after that aggressively. But, you know, the trade show piece of it is is more challenging to do. Yeah, much. yeah. I don't know if you remember, Gary, but several years ago, I think you and I, we were at Chicago for probably the last FMI event. Yes, Occurred right, and you can yeah. kind of see it happening right in front oh, of you. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> that's right, that's right. So you know, I I think the next one that that we're thinking about coming up here will probably be FMI Midwinter, correct? In January. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting. Now that's going to be down in Florida, which is pretty well opened up, so that could serve to attract a lot of people. That is true, that's as true. opposed to NRF in New York City where you've got to have a vaccine passport to get into a restaurant. Correct. That that may pose some constraints. And that is true. That is true. So I, it's interesting. I mean, I mean, I'm curious to see how it pans out. And I think maybe the objective at these events is going to change. I mean, you know, before yeah. the objective was, you know, I'm going to go out and meet a few new clients. But if your clients don't necessarily show up, then what are you there for? Right. So yeah. I think it's uh, I think that there's going to be an interesting shift that happens here, but uh, you know, and I you know I think this comp- clearly you know more than ever what we did see Gary is that retailers are looking for solutions, oh, so there's no yeah. dearth of that. Absolutely, they're all you know we could make out very clearly they're all looking to figure out how to get on the digital bandwagon and do so many things. So you know, and we know that there's challenges happening. They're coming up with supply chain. And I heard a lot of chatter about that, Gary. I don't know if you want to spend a couple of minutes talking about that, which is, you know, everybody's talking about the supply chain crunch coming along. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering how are retailers going to react to that this time, knowing that it's coming? I mean, last time it kind of came out of left field. But this time when you know, I'm wondering what people are doing. Have you heard about strategy? So- it, yeah, and, and it is a concern. I, I mean, and it's it's being exacerbated by the shortage of workers, right? From the store, back to the warehouse and distribution center, back to the truckers, all the way back through the supply chain. So not only is there difficulty getting product, you can't move the product. So a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, I know different retailers uh, I'm speaking with, and certainly the bigger regional guys that self-distribute 
you know, a number of them are backing up as much as they can on key items. And, uh, you know, they've got the added challenge right now of not only the, the everyday staples, you know, like toilet paper, paper towels, et cetera, but now the holiday items that people are going to want. So, you know, yeah, that they've got some real challenges here. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. I think I saw in the news the other day that a couple of the bigger national retailers are even leasing their own cargo ships. Yes, yeah. Which yeah, was, who was it? Costco or Target? One of them, yeah, I think. Walmart was, and I think they're looking to just lease their entire cargo ships to move their merchandise. Which, I, I mean, is almost unbelievable. I mean, we were hearing from somebody saying that a shipping container that in the past would, you know, lease for maybe 800 bucks for a trip was up to what, like 20000 or $24,000? Yeah, so some crazy number like that. Yeah, yeah. so, so uh, making the next step to basically leasing the whole ship, you know, I guess you can begin to understand, but, but even that doesn't solve the problem. You know, as somebody was recently telling me that uh, there are 40 or, or even 50 container ships off the coast of Long Beach, right, which California, which is one waiting of Waiting to be offloaded. Right. Yeah. yeah, waiting to be offloaded. There's not enough people, workers at the port to offload the ships. Right, right. And I think we've, we've talked about this in a couple of episodes about labor shortage and why it's happening yeah. and what's yeah. happening. I think it's, it's curious. And I think, uh, I think one of the things we did predict on the show is that that's going to actually drive more automation. It's going to drive growth of technology usage and how you can, I hate to use the word substitute, but really supplant and complement and oh. to enhance your operations with technology and AI because of labor shortage. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we're already seeing, I, I think I just saw a news item this morning, Cardenas is rolling out self-checkout or more self-checkout to like 50 stores. You know, so there's a lot of self-checkout implementations going on. Trigo, the computer vision company like Amazon Go, just announced they signed a deal with uh, Aldi. So, I mean, stop and think about that. Uh, all the uh, low price, limited selection operator must be comfortable with the economics of computer vision now. But I'm sure also what's driving it is an inability to fully staff the stores. Yeah, and I saw robot delivery. I, I think ShopRite's kind of open and wait friends opened it up at a couple of stores in Pennsylvania. And uh, they're going to have these little robots go around. They're actually going to be manned and kind of like a remote yeah. Almost like drone pilots, they're going to be somebody sitting in some room and driving these things and going and delivering. So, I mean, I think it's a super exciting time. I think it's just interesting. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what does events mean in this space now? Yeah. How do you, how do, uh, you know, retailers find solutions and how do solution providers acquire customers? I think it's just, uh, yeah. And I, I think the other side to their challenge is, not only how do retailers, you know, find solutions and, and these technologies and capabilities, I, you know, I, I, I'm also seeing retailers, and again, of all sizes, not just the independent operators, really searching for help with understanding what's going on, what's coming next, what do I do? Yeah, I know. You know, I think uh, Google is not the answer for everything. You can go and search what you want, but there's just so much information. You need some way of separating the uh, uh, the noise and you know and, and folks so what that's what we're trying to do here is that we try to bring on innovative solutions you know this is a piece of that 
puzzle, I think. Yeah. You know, I think uh, shows like this uh, bring on solutions, spark some ideas that you can reach out to and so on and so forth. But Gary, it's going to be, I think 20, we thought 2020 was an interesting year. I think 2021 was even more interesting. And I think 2022, we'll really see if the change has stuck, right? We'll yeah. see if some of the trends that started in 2020 and 2021 are actually here to stay and people are going to do business differently. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Anyway, fa- fascinating conversation here. So we're, we're going to keep this episode short here, but uh, we want to thank you guys again for listening and continuing to support us. And we've got some exciting guests lined up and some exciting conversations. And by the way, I did want to throw this out. You can We didn't want to put this out as a retail perch episode, but uh, Gary and I did a short uh, session for a share group. And some of that Q&A has been thrown together into a 20-minute video uh, so I think there were some great questions, Gary. In that, yeah, oh, there were. This is mostly from independents and small chains, which might you may you guys might relate to. So we're going to be posting it on LinkedIn. And by the way, if you're listening to this, we do have our own LinkedIn page. So do follow us there to, to keep in touch with us. And uh, otherwise, it's been great talking to you folks. We'll be back next week with a couple of interesting guests to keep the conversation going. Gary, any closing thoughts? That's right. No, interesting times ahead. Yep. Again, I want to thank Stephanie Doherty for putting this together. She is the magic behind the show. So thanks, Stephanie. And you guys stay safe and we will talk to you soon. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off.